All right. Well, this is wonderful. This, uh, I told a couple of people, let's just do this every week, right? Let's let the kids lead. We'll see. Uh, but I don't think this is the last time we'll do this. Um, as Natalie read for us this morning, our scripture is in Mark chapter 10. So go ahead and turn there. In your Bibles, Mark is the second book of the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, then Luke and John. So we're in Mark 10. And uh, since we are just dropping in to this today, I want to give you a little context as to what's going on in this book. Mark is a book that's all about Jesus. It's one of the Gospels, one of the biographies of Jesus. And the whole book is 16 chapters long. It can be split evenly into two parts. The first eight chapters are all about who this person is. Who is Jesus? What's his identity? In these eight chapters, Jesus begins his ministry. He begins healing and teaching and doing miracles. And all the time, people keep asking, who is this guy? Until finally, in chapter 8, Jesus asks Peter, his disciple, who do you think I am? And Peter says the right answer. He says, you are the Christ. You are the king. You are the coming promised king that we have been waiting for all this time. That's the first half of the book. Then the second half of the book, from that moment on, becomes all about the mission of Jesus. So the first half is, who is he? And then it's, why did he come? And Jesus begins to teach right away why he came. It wasn't just to defeat the Romans. Okay, that's what people thought. They thought, okay, we're living under the oppression of these evil Romans, and when the king comes, like David, he's going to drive them out, just like David drove out the Philistines. And he's going to establish a kingdom like David did, and he's going to reign, and we're going to be kings of the world again. It's going to be awesome. But Jesus says, no, I'm not that kind of king. I didn't come just to defeat the Romans. I came to defeat the great enemies of sin and death and Satan. And so Jesus didn't come to drive out the Romans and establish a political kingdom. He came to die and to rise from the dead, to pay for our sins and become victorious over sin and death and the devil. And so the second half of the book is all about this mission of Jesus leading up to the cross, and then he dies and rises from the dead, and he wins. So Mark is a story of a king with a cross. And our passage today in Mark 10 comes at the point in the story where the disciples finally know who Jesus is, but they haven't really gotten it. And everybody around knows that Jesus is someone special. He's been doing these miracles. He's been just amazing. The word spread like crazy. Everyone wants to be with this Jesus. And so people are crowding around Jesus. Everywhere he goes, there's incredible crowds. And the disciples now knowing that Jesus is the king, have taken upon themselves to become the king's bouncers. And they say, look, all these people are coming. We've got to protect this guy. He's got a mission. You know, he's the king. We're his bouncers. So you guys, let's just give him some space. Stay away. And in this particular story, the people that they're keeping away from Jesus are children. So Natalie read it for us once. Let's just read it again. Mark chapter 10 starting in verse 13. It says, And they were bringing children to him, to Jesus, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. 
It's a great passage for today because it, it has something for all of us here. If you look in this passage, you see that there's four groups of people that there's a message for uh, today. One group is the parents who are bringing the children to Jesus. Another group is the disciples who try to stop the children from coming to Jesus. The third group is the kids who are welcomed by Jesus. And then the final group is everyone that Jesus tells this message and invites to come to learn from this incident. So four groups of people, I think that covers everyone here. So just by a show of hands, are there any parents here today? Parents? Okay, that's a lot of us. Are there any disciples of Jesus here today? Okay, it just means you're a Christian. Okay, any disciples of Jesus? Yes. All right. Um, any kids here today? Good. And last, last category is everyone. So is anyone alive here today? Okay, good. So I think everyone raised their hand at least once, which means that we should be eager to see what Jesus has to teach us from this passage. So we'll look at each group in turn and see the message that Christ has. First group, parents. What message does Jesus have for parents in these verses? And here it is. Parents, bring your kids to Jesus. Bring your kids to Jesus. Verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. Okay, this passage doesn't specifically say parents. It's a they. Um, but we know that the they they're talking about is the parents who are bringing the kids to Jesus. They're bringing him so that Jesus might touch them. Now, why would parents want Jesus to touch their kids? Um, Because they know. They've been paying attention to what's been happening. And they know that good things happen when Jesus touches people. Okay, this is one of the major themes of this whole book of Mark. Uh, In in, uh, in chapter 1, Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And Jesus goes into their house and he touches Peter's mother-in-law and she gets up. Uh, Later on in chapter 1, a leper comes to Jesus, and Jesus is willing to touch the leper, and the leper is healed. In chapter 5, there is this huge crowd of people around Jesus as he's walking along, and a woman touches his garment, and uh, an illness that she'd had for years, this bleeding that no one could cure, just stopped instantly. In chapter 6, people have heard about this, and it says, as many people as could touch the hem of his garment were healed of whatever illnesses and problems that they had. In chapter 7, a man who is deaf and mute comes to Jesus, and Jesus touches his tongue and his ears, and he can hear and speak. In chapter 8, a blind man comes to Jesus, and Jesus touches his eyes, and he can see. When Jesus touches people, it changes their lives. And at this point in the story, people know this. The word has gotten out. If you can just get close to Jesus, if you can just touch Jesus, good things are going to happen to you. For this reason, the crowds were always swarming Jesus. As soon as Christ healed Peter's mother-in-law in in chapter 1, the whole city came to that house and kept Christ up all night, just person after person. Would you heal me? Would you heal me? Would you heal me? In chapter 3, it got so bad. Here's what it says in chapter 3. So they're they're standing on the shore of the sea. It says, A great crowd heard all he was doing, and they came to him, And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. 
So this is how bad it is that Jesus is standing here on the shoreline and the crowd is just, everyone just wants to touch him so much so that they're about to crush him or drive him into the sea. He says, let's get in a boat so they don't kill me. Because people know that if you just get close to Jesus, if you just touch Jesus, it'll change your life. In fact, Jesus is so awesome that it doesn't matter what obstacles are in the way, but people are going to get near to him. It's this great story in chapter 2 of Mark where there's a paralyzed man who's got some amazing friends. And Jesus is in a house, and the house is totally full. There's no way to get to Jesus in this house. But the friends say, here's what we'll do. We're going to carry you up on the roof. We're going to break a hole in this guy's roof and lower you down because you just got to get to Jesus. Because that's what people do. When they realize how amazing Jesus is, when they understand who he is, they want to be near him, and they want to bring the people that they love to be near him. And that's what's going on in chapter 10. These parents have heard about Jesus. They have heard that Jesus is in town. And they have heard what he does, who he is, what happens when you get near Jesus. And they want that, not just for themselves, but for their kids. Now, it doesn't seem like the kids are sick. A lot of times when people come to Jesus, they're coming for healing. It doesn't seem like the kids are sick. There's no mention of them being healed. In the end, it just says that Jesus prayed for them and blessed them. So it doesn't seem that they're coming for anything specific, not for a healing. They just want to come for Jesus. They've just seen that Jesus is so good and so wonderful and so life-changing that they have to bring their kids near to him. The parents are bringing their kids to Jesus. And that's our job as parents, is to bring our kids to Jesus. One of the cool things about being a parent, and one of the responsibilities, is that it's our privilege to introduce our kids to various things, to bring our kids to various things. Some of that bringing is very literal, Right? You pile the kids into the van, and you bring them to soccer practice. You bring them to tumbling. You bring them to music lessons. You bring them to school. Okay? And, and that can be exhausting, but why do you do that? Why do you bring your kids to all of these things? It's because you have looked at these activities or these things. You thought, this is valuable. This is worthwhile. And so I'm going to exercise my role as a parent to literally bring you to these things that you might have them in your life. It's not always literal. Sometimes it's just introducing your kids or your grandkids to things that you love. Sometimes you bring your kids to Star Wars. You say, I really love this stuff. I've enjoyed this. I think you're going to enjoy this too. Let's look at this together. Let's enjoy this together. You introduce them to new things. Or maybe it's introducing them, bringing them to a sport that you love or a hobby that you love, music that you love, a book that you love, okay? Now, why do we bring our kids to these things? Because we have found value in them. We find that they are good, they're beneficial, and we want to share that with them. It's one of the roles as parents. You get to be the curator for your children, at least for a while, to bring them and introduce them to things that are good for them. And there are many, many good things that it is worthwhile to bring your kids to. But there is nothing more important than bringing your kids to Jesus. 
So that's the first question of application for parents this morning. Are you bringing your kids to Jesus? That's what these parents were doing. It's good to bring your kids to other things. It's good to bring your kids to football practice and to ballet and to choir. But don't neglect to bring them to church where they can meet Jesus. It's good to introduce your kids to great books and movies that you love. It's better to introduce them to the Bible where they can learn about and meet Jesus. It's good to teach your kids how to throw a ball. It's better to teach them how to pray. The parents in the story understood this. They become convinced that Jesus was so good and so wonderful that what their kids needed more than anything was to be with Jesus. Are you, are you there? Is that your conviction? Have you experienced the touch of Jesus in your life? That you know he is better than anything, that he is wonderful and good and life-changing, and you want to share that with your kids. The message for parents this morning is, bring your kids to Jesus. The second group that shows up are the disciples. And here's the message for disciples. Help kids come to Jesus. Help kids come to Jesus. Verse 13, again, it says, They were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. The disciples come across as jerks here. They are like bad elves at Christmas time in the mall saying, no, you can't see Santa. Right? That's the picture I'm getting of these disciples. Of course, like, kids, get out of here. You know what, kids? That's, that's not exactly what's happening, though. As, as we've said, Jesus, Jesus is like a rock star, right? I mean, he's, the word has gone out. Everybody wants a piece of him. And the disciples are just trying to protect him. They're trying to um, guard his space, guard his time. He can't help everybody. And so they're his bouncers. They're trying to enforce boundaries. In this case, that means sending kids away. Now, now we see some of the selective prejudice of the disciples if you read the very next story. Because right after this, a guy just walks right up to Jesus and starts talking to him. Okay? But this guy, as it says, it was a rich young man. Okay? So the disciples apparently think, hey, if a rich adult wants to talk to Jesus, he can come right up. But these kids, parents of their kids, it's just not important. It's not worth his time. But importantly, Jesus rebukes the disciples. Verse 14, when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. According to Jesus, the disciples were wrong. They were wrong. Children do matter. Children are important to Jesus. And true disciples don't hinder children from coming to Jesus. True disciples help children come to Jesus. So here's the application for disciples. A disciple is not a special classification of Christian. It's not like there's all these normal Christians and then there's disciples. To be a disciple means to be a follower. So if you follow Jesus, if you're a Christian, then you are a disciple. And true disciples, according to this passage... Help kids come to Jesus. So this means even if you're not a parent, or if you're not a parent of a young child, if you're a follower of Jesus, 
you have a calling and a responsibility to help kids to come to Jesus. Because Jesus cares about kids, and so should everyone who follows him. Right. Now, it's very non-controversial to tell people you should do it for the kids. That is the way that you can sell anything. <laughs> if you want to raise money, if you want to get a law passed, if you want to do anything, you just say it's for the kids. Okay? So everybody has this heartstring that you can play, and, and you can say it's for the kids. And they say, yes, I support children. Let's do it for the kids. But we need to dig a little deeper and examine our own hearts by looking at our actions. The question for disciples is, we may say that we value children. Right? We, we may look at the disciples in this story and say, what idiots, we would never do that. But if we look at our own actions, what does that say about our attitudes towards children? Okay. Do you care enough about the children of the church to actually help them come to Jesus? Not just to say, that would be nice if kids came to Jesus, but to put your own skin in the game and say, I want to help kids come to Jesus. So on the one hand, if you're doing nothing for the kids of this church, it says something about what you really believe. If you don't pray about the children of this church, if you don't teach the kids of this church, if you don't serve in children's ministry, if you don't do any of those things, then it says what you really believe about the children of this church is what the disciples believed about these kids. You believe that Jesus is for adults, that kids are a distraction, and as long as someone is just keeping them entertained somewhere else than here, so I can learn about Jesus, that's okay. But, if you really believe that children are important and that children need to come, Je- come to Jesus, then that will change the way you live. Your belief will show itself through your actions. So if you are physically able to do it, you will volunteer to help in nursery. We won't have to, to struggle to find enough people to teach a Sunday school class. Instead, we will have fights between you for the privilege of spending 45 minutes every week with the kids of this church to help them come to know Jesus. If you believe that children are important, it will show itself in your actions. If you are a Sunday school teacher or a children's church teacher, you won't do just the bare minimum that you have to do to make sure that you can keep them entertained for a little while, but you'll take time every week to pray for them and to invest in preparation that you might get the most out of the time you have with them that week to help them come to Jesus. If we really believe that children are important, then you won't resent the inconvenience of missing a sermon once a month to help in the nursery or to help in children's church. But you will rejoice that once a month you get the privilege of showing the love of Jesus to a group of kids. Instead of just being a listener, yet again, you get to be a doer. If you're physically able to do it, then put your belief in action by helping the kids of this church to come to Jesus. 
we have a sign-up sheet in the back. Not for specific roles, but for you to say, I'm available. I, I want to help in some way. Come talk to me about options, whether that's nursery or being a substitute or being mentored into teaching a class or doing children's church. But if you are physically able and you are not currently engaged in enough other important ministry that you just can't add any more on. Okay, I'm not trying to burden the overburdened already. But it's a very practical application. Leave here this morning and go sign up on that green sheet in the back table and say, I want to help kids come to Jesus. Okay? Now, if you're physically unable to do that, you just, if, you, if you can't do it, or if, you're, if you are engaged enough ministry, you think, you know, in front of God, I just cannot commit to doing another thing right now, or I'm going to burn out and probably destroy my own family. Okay? You can pray. And that's why we also have on the back table prayer calendars this week, to get us, or this, this month, to get us in the habit of praying for the kids of our church. Because prayer is real ministry. And if you love the children of our church, you will pray for them and for the teachers and for the leaders. So let's put our beliefs in action and help the kids come to Jesus. All right, there's a third group. Speaking of kids, kids, this is for you. All right. What does this passage have to say to you, kids? What it says to you is, you can come to Jesus. You can come to Jesus. Uh, my family went on vacation recently, and we went, as part of our vacation, to an amusement park. All right, so kids, how many of you have been to an amusement park or to some sort of carnival that has rides and that sort of thing? You guys been to amusement parks? All right? Kids, you can be, yeah, you're, you're an old kid. That's all right. Okay? So we've been, you've been to amusement parks. Okay, here's, here's something that I noticed about the rides. You tell me if you've seen this too, all right? Um, on all the rides, before you are able to go on the ride, there's a sign. You guys seen that sign that's at the front of the ride? What does that sign say? Right? Yeah. Go ahead, tell. Yeah, it's how tall you are, right? You got, so there's a sign that says something like, you must be as tall as this beefy arm to ride this ride. And you, you go up to that and you say, am I tall enough? And you kind of step on your tiptoes and stretch because you really want to ride the ride, right? It's a cool ride. That's why it's only for big kids. If you're going to say, if I'm big enough, then I can ride the cool ride. But then you go up there and you stand and you stretch and they measure and you're just not quite there. And they say, well, we have something for you. You can go to Kitty Land. Okay, and you can do the little teacups and the various other things there, and you can enjoy that because that's for you. When you grow up, when you get bigger, you can do the real rides. You can have the real fun. Then you'll be important. Okay, okay so kids, here's the message for you. Jesus does not have a sign that says you must be this tall to come to him. Jesus says, let the children come to me. Jesus doesn't say, you know, you've got your kitty land, right? Kids can stay downstairs. Kids can do crafts. Kids can learn Bible stories, but they can't really have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is for adults. That's not what he says. Jesus says, let the children come to me. I want you to understand this, kids. You don't have to wait to grow up to have a relationship with Jesus. He's not just for grown-ups. The song that 
we all know Jesus loves the little children. It's true. It's true. Jesus says, let the children come to me. Now, kids, I, I, listen to me. I, I, I grew up in church, okay? I grew up like you coming to church. I grew up with Christian parents. And I know what it's like. Hanging out at church is sometimes like hanging out with your parents when they have friends over. Like, they invite the friends. Is it weird to think of your parents having friends? It's kind of weird. Your parents have friends. They're humans. It's weird. Um, so your parents have friends over, or, or they go to a friend's house, and they bring you with them. Okay? I, I did that. I lived that. And I would sit there, and I would eat the meal with them, and then I would go off by myself and read or, or watch a movie or, or maybe play with some other kids. But I wouldn't hang out with my parents and their friends because they weren't my friends. They, I knew their names. They knew my name. I knew that they were my parents' friends, but we didn't really have a relationship. And sometimes going to church can be like hanging out with your parents' friends. Right? It's, a, it's a place that they enjoy, but you're bored to death because they have a relationship with these people, but you don't. But what Jesus says is, let the children come to me. Jesus isn't just for adults. Jesus isn't just for your parents. Jesus isn't just for your grandparents. He's for you. You don't have to be this tall to come to Jesus. You just come. And he welcomes you. You can be friends with Jesus. You can talk to him through prayer. You can read the Bible and get to know him. I mean, you really can understand it. It's not that tough. You can follow Jesus, you can learn what he wants you to do, and you can live in obedience to that. You can come to Jesus. Now, if that sounds cool, if you think, wow, that's, that's neat. I can have a relationship with Jesus. I don't have to wait until I'm big to do this. I can, I can ride the real ride now. If you think that's cool, then you, you should talk to your parents about this. You should talk to your Sunday school teachers. You can talk to me about figuring out for sure, how do I have this relationship with Jesus? But don't wait. Don't wait till you're older because Jesus isn't for adults. He's for children. You can come to Jesus. So that's three groups. Parents, disciples, and kids. Who's left? Everyone. Everyone. Jesus has a message for everyone. And it's this. He says to everyone, learn from kids how to come to Jesus. In verse 15, Jesus turns this into a teaching moment for everyone. And he says, Truly, I say to you, whoever, that is everyone, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. This is a really outrageous statement for his time. Um, In the ancient world, in the time in which Jesus lived, children were not thought of the same way that we think of children. In fact, part of the reason we think of children the way we do is because we've been influenced by the teaching of Jesus. But in the ancient world, children were thought of uh, as lesser people, not as important as adults. Um, For us today, we talk about children as the ideal. We speak of discovering your inner child or reliving your childhood as as if that's a positive thing. Being like a child is wonderful in our culture. 
But in Jesus' day, that would have been a repulsive idea. Childhood is something that you leave behind like a snake shedding its skin. Right? You don't go back to that. That was a, 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 a temporary formative time, but now you are the real you. Now you're the adult. Why would you go back to being a kid? And so Jesus kind of turns that on his head and he says, no, 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 if you really want to be in the kingdom of God, if you want to be God's people, you need to be like children. He says you need to learn to receive the kingdom like a child. This is a lesson. We need to learn how to receive. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. If there's one thing that kids are good at, it's receiving. Kids are amazing at receiving. They're the best. I mean, you go give a kid something, they just take it. That's what they do. When you give a gift to a child, they don't say, it's not my birthday. Uh, what's the occasion? No, I couldn't possibly. Kids don't need to come up with an excuse for you to give them something. They expect you to give them something every day. So if you just give them something, they say, great, this is awesome. Thank you. If you give a kid a gift, they don't say, this is too much. Let me pay you back. How, how much was this? Get out their piggy bank. You know. If you take a kid out to dinner, I don't care how old we are, we do not tell our parents, no, I got this one. Kids receive. That's what we do. And Jesus is saying, this is how the kingdom of God works. He says, if you want to know how to get in, if you want to know how to be saved, have eternal life, look at kids and the way in which they receive. He says, you must receive the kingdom like a child. And how do kids receive? They just do it. They just take it. They just receive it. They accept the gift. Jesus is teaching that the kingdom of God, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, it's a gift. It's a gift. And all you have to do to receive it is, like a kid, say thank you. I mean, kids don't even say thank you. They just take it. Just take it. See, the message that Jesus has for everyone is that we're all sinners We've all done things wrong. We all deserve punishment for our sins. But God loves us so much that Jesus came and he came to die on the cross to pay for the sins that we have committed. And he rose from the dead victorious that we might know that we have eternal life. And now God says to every single person, Jesus says, whoever, whoever, to everyone, if you would enter the kingdom of God, all you have to do is receive. You've never seen a kid saying, no, this is too much. Let me pay you back. We don't come to Jesus and say, no, this is too much. Let me pay you back. Let me show you how good I am. Let me show you what I can do to earn this and to deserve this. We just receive it. So the message for everyone, the question is, have you received the gift like a child? Have you come to Jesus like a child? Do you recognize that you have nothing to offer? Do you recognize that you could never purchase salvation for yourself, but that Jesus offers it as a gift? Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Have you received it? If you haven't, talk to me. And let's get that worked out. Because 
Coming to Jesus, receiving this gift, is the most important thing in the world. There's nothing more important than coming to Jesus. That's the message of this passage. And Jesus very much wants every single person to come to him, especially kids. Do you believe that? Parents, are you bringing your kids to Jesus? Disciples, are you helping kids come to Jesus? Kids, are you coming to Jesus for yourself? Not as your parents' friend, but as yours. And everyone, have you learned from kids how to receive? And have you accepted the gift for yourself? Jesus says, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Let's pray.